Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. Today, we are talking about what do we do in how we talk to other people. We're going to finish up a little bit from last week. We're going to pull out those catalogs of how we're interacting in the world, what we think about it, what our feelings are telling us. And then we're going to look at what happens if we're the negative friend. We're the person that's always talking negative to our friends. Or if we have that friend, what should we do? Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. We are in the middle of a series on gratefulness, not being grateful. And today we're right smack dab in the middle. Last week I talked about mindset, about what happens when we have a negative mindset versus what happens when we have a positive mindset. Today what I want to talk to you about is what happens when we are negative and how we respond to other people. All right, and I want you to think about this a little bit. Last week I talked a lot about, you know, how we respond to ourselves, how we talk to ourselves. Next week, I'm going to talk about how we respond to ourselves in a positive mindset. But this week, I want to talk to you about what happens when you're constantly negative with other people. I want to do this because I had it scheduled, but I also want to do it because I've had two conversations with people in just the last few days where they've told me, hey, I just called up my best friend. I just called up my husband, my wife, and I was going to tell them something. And they literally the entire time spent the entire time being negative, telling me why what I was doing had some negative spin to it. Uh, talking to them is so hard. It feels so defeating. A lot a lot of those conversations. I actually got an email where somebody said to me, hey, I just called, got off my, the phone with my best friend, and I think I need a new best friend because everything I tell him is negative. And so I want to talk about how that works today, what that does for our interaction. Before we get into that, though, I do want to remind you that this Saturday... I am speaking at the Survivors of Suicide Loss Conference. It is virtual. It is free, but you do have to register. Go to WMSOSL.com and uh, feel free to register there. It will be, You can watch it from, from the security of your home. Uh, should be a, a time that is hopefully informative and helpful to anyone who is a survivor of suicide loss. If you have a loved one, a friend, a family member, anyone that you know who has died by suicide, uh, we're hopeful that this time will be a opportunity for you to experience some hope, maybe find some other people who are also going through the same process that you're going through and have experienced that loss and hopefully find some comfort for you as well. Uh, once again, that website is WMSOSL.com. And so what I want to do is I want to break this down into kind of what do we do if, if we discover that we're the person that is the one that's always negative to our friends. And what do we do if we discover that we have friends who are always negative with us? Those those are, you know, opposite ends of the same coin. But how do we respond to that? What do we do with it? And how do we move forward? So let's start with what do we do if we discover that we are the negative person? And if you'll remember, last week I asked you to take a catalog of your thoughts and how you felt about it and whether or not those feelings were dictating to you or you were dictating to those feelings. This week we're going to expound on that a little bit. And here's what I mean by are those feelings dictating to you or are you dictating to them? What do you do with those feelings, right? So when you have a feeling, do you just say, oh, that's how I feel and so that's the way it is. One of the phrases that really frustrates me is, well, I'm just telling you how I feel. Okay, that's fine. We can live with that, but at the same time, we have to examine it because what if we both experience the same thing? You feel one way 
and I feel another about it, we're gonna have to live in the tension and figure that out. And this is where it gets interesting. Let's say that uh, you consistently allow your feelings to dictate your mood. So, you know, one of the ways, you, probably everyone, I feel like everyone at this point has heard, see what I did there? I feel like everyone at this point has heard the phrase, don't let a bad 15 minutes make a bad day. In other words, so if you had a bad 15 minutes, you got a ticket for speeding, got a flat tire, you spilled coffee on your outfit, don't let that ruin your whole day. My question is how much energy do you let your feelings or should I let my feelings take from us? That's one of the things that I run out regularly. So uh, I hit my head and I'm upset because it hurt. Well, of course I'm upset because it hurt. That feeling is normal, but do I let it carry into the next meeting that I have? Do I let it carry into the interactions with my family and my friends? And this is where we start to do a catalog of how do I respond to people around me? So for instance, I tend to be a person that likes to troubleshoot. Now I tend, I, I think, I, I guess I should, probably should check with my wife and my one first. I feel like I'm pretty optimistic, but at the same time, when I hear things, I tend to be kind of like, well, what about this? What about that? How do we plug that in? Uh, a number of months ago, actually probably a number of years ago now, probably three years ago, I, uh, someone showed me this device that they had and they were very excited to show me and instead of just saying, oh man, that's awesome, congratulations, I was like, well, you know, my iPad, blah, blah, blah. And I'm allowed to use that voice because I'm making fun of myself a little bit there. And I realized in that moment that I responded poorly, in part because I'm blessed with the gift of overthinking, that's sarcasm, but I responded poorly to it, not because I don't even like the thing he was showing me, I just, that was my natural response. I wasn't trying to be negative to him. Uh, there was no intention to be like, ah. But that's literally how it came across. And so I've had to step back from that. And I hope in the last three years, I've made some changes where when people tell me that stuff, my first response is, oh, that's awesome. Good job. Or congratulations. Because here's what happens when you're that person, what you're doing is you're sucking energy from your friends. And so we need to take not only a catalog, what's happening, what's our feelings about it, but how do I typically respond to my friends when they tell me a dream, when they tell me a hope? Because those people are not typically safe. I'm going to give you an example uh, I talked about writing a book for years and someone close to me would always be like, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And I stopped talking to that person and they caught on and they're like, hey, why don't you tell me about your book dreams anymore? I'm like, because you always tell me why it won't work. And in their mind, here's the thing. Remember, we talked before about putting conversations in the context of a person's life. In their mind, they were trying to protect me from hurt. They weren't trying to hurt me. They were trying to protect me from hurt, but it didn't help. And actually it did hurt and it was worse. So we backed away from that. We've talked it out and now it's a different approach. I had somebody recently, my wife and I have been trying to uh, initiate another business and we've been traveling a lot and we've taken some swings and we've, we've, we've hit some singles when we were trying to get doubles. Uh, a couple times we struck out and it wasn't even stuff on our side. It was stuff on, on the other side, right? So when you, obviously when you make a business deal, there's two parties and we're on our third attempt at this venture and the first two times it ended because the other party wasn't able to fulfill their end. So someone was talking to me about it. They were asking me about it. And this is someone I've talked before. I don't have a lot of people in my inner circle right now. I keep them out a little ways. Uh, but this was someone who was, who was in the lower circle, right? Closer to the inner circle. And, and they were like, well, I'm sure you won't make the same mistake three times or twice or whatever. And I was like, we didn't make mistakes the first two times. The one time somebody didn't tell us anything, right? My, I didn't say this out loud, but my natural response inside is to feel a little riled up. 
And this is what happens when we're a negative person to our friends. Hey, I want to go buy a new car. Well, you know, new cars are expensive or something silly like that. New to me car. Well, why don't you buy new? When you become a person where your friends don't feel like they can just share with you without you telling them what's going on that is wrong, you're no longer safe. And a lot of times this happens because we start with this, this run in our head about how all of the things that's going on for us, all the negative things go, 2020 happened, so I can't have my dream of writing a book. I can't have my dream, whatever your dream is. And so ten, sometimes people just withdraw and they shut down. There are other people that overcompensate for that by acting like they are completely certain. And it tends to get ugly. I had a client that realized that she was the negative voice for her daughter. And she's sitting on the couch in my therapy room and she is bawling. I mean, we're talking like the the giant tears, the snot coming out of the nose, saliva dripping down the side of her mouth on her chin. My mom was that for me. And so I'm sitting there and, and anytime you're in this deep of an emotional conversation with someone, it's very humbling. It's very moving. And I said, well, t- tell me more about like what, what kicked this off. She said, well, my daughter the other day said to me, mom, I'm thinking about trying out for the spring play. And the spring play is always a musical, which is what it is at our school as well, my daughter's school. And she's like, and I said to her, I said, well, honey, you know, if, if, if you don't get a singing role, just remember you could do something else for the play. And my daughter, and this is my client talking, who I, I've talked to her about this. I have permission to share this story. This was a number of years ago. My daughter started bawling. She said, mom, why won't you ever just support me? And she's like, I want to support her, but I don't want her to get hurt and be rejected. And so a lot of times there's this, this mess of emotions going on inside of us. That's why we start with the, with the end of last week, which by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd encourage you to listen to it. It's episode 126, your, your most powerful tool to facilitate change. Certainly one of your most powerful tools, and that is your mind, right? And so it starts with this mental catalog of how do we talk to ourselves, but then we want to embrace this idea of what's the mental catalog of how I talk to other people. Right. And there are people that tell me like, hey, I want to I want to do this. I want to start a business to which I've learned to say, OK, are you telling me that just as a friend? Or are you telling me that because you want my business opinion? Because those are two different ideas. Those are going to be two different responses from two different places. And I need to know. And even if it is like, hey, I want to know your business. opinion. I say, well, first of all, I want to commend you because taking a risk, even thinking about taking a risk can be scary and it can be uh, something that is difficult. So congratulations on that. Now let's talk about your plan. And then sometimes it can be very critical because it needs to be. The idea, here's what I'm not advocating. I'm not advocating a false sense of positivity. When people haven't put in the work, we shouldn't compliment the effort. We can compliment the idea. And at the same time, we can say, but I don't see a lot of work here that's necessary for the success that you're hoping to get. That actually honors the person and respects the objective. But we have to really be cognizant and intentionally cataloging our own thoughts if we're going to get to that place. So it starts with us. So I might write down what's going on. Uh, I discovered that one of my household doors isn't working right, and I should consider replacing it. Okay, what was my thoughts? What do I think about those thoughts? Where's the, the negativity that's not necessary? And the difference between like realistically looking, and a lot of times my friends who are constantly, they're like, well, I'm just, I'm just, uh, Uh, you know, I'm just a realist or I'm just telling people how I feel. Right. But it's not always, uh, like the guy who wrote me in, I'm sure his best friend, I don't even know his best friend's story. He didn't write me in the guy who wrote to me. Uh, I don't know his best friend's story, but I imagine his friends would say something along the lines of either I'm just a realist or I'm just telling how I feel about, you know, these things that he shared with me doing yoga and that type of stuff. 
And he had some very, according to the guy who wrote me, he had some very specific thoughts about guys doing yoga and why he could never do it and why it would never work for him uh, and why he couldn't open a business and blah, blah, blah. One of the biggest areas that I hear this is with spouses. And I'll have, I'll have one spouse that wants to go do something entrepreneurial or they want to write a book or they want to do a play. They want to try out for the community theater or they want to, they want to do something. And invariably, their spouse tells them why it won't work. Or I'll hear something like, well, you know, my spouse never helps me with this task. And the spouse will say, that's because every time I do it, I'm criticized and I just refuse to engage in something where I'm going to be criticized. And so we have to step out of that. We have to step back from it. And we have to ask ourselves, am I a person that is constantly telling my friends, people who share things with me, why it won't work or what's wrong about it or why I couldn't do it? Because here's what happened. That works to wire your brain and their brain. If you remember, last week we talked about negativity or positivity. It doesn't matter which one you do. It's going to wire your brain a certain way. It literally changes how your brain functions. Well, when you do that with people who are close to you, mirror neurons kicked in. I've talked about them in the past. They will consistently, if you do that consistently, they will wire the brain of both the hearer and the speaker in a different direction. And so if you're constantly like, oh, this, you can't do it because of this. You can't do it because of that. Then... There, there's a problem. And the only way we find that problem is to bring it out to awareness. And so I'm not talking about like, hey, you know, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? When it's appropriate. Look, I have a lot of people that ask me to look over their business ideas. A lot of people. And I often tell them, yeah, give me a one sheet or a business plan. And I get garbage. Like I just don't get, there's not a lot of effort because people are afraid they're going to fail. So the first thing I say, depends on whether or not they're paying. To be honest with you, if they're a client, they'll get a lot more time than this. But if they're just trying to get free consultation advice, I'll be like, okay, this isn't a business plan or this isn't a one sheet. Why is that? And they're like, well, I didn't know what to do. Okay, did you Google or DuckDuckGo how to do this? No. Okay, start there, find a template and do it. Because one of the things I learned a long time ago, and I worked in a 501c3 at the time, was people will ask advice so that if it goes wrong, they can say, well, I asked so-and-so. Right. My church friends do this a lot. Well, you know, I even tried it with the pastor or something they teach in counseling. People go to counseling just so they can say, well, I tried counseling and it still didn't work. Yeah, but you didn't do anything. And so there's a difference between saying, hey, I'm not seeing the effort here or I'm not seeing the prep work or I'm not seeing the time. Or like, you know, I had a student one time tell me he was going to play in the NBA. He was 5'10", couldn't palm a ball, couldn't dunk, couldn't really shoot with somebody in his face and couldn't defend somebody bigger than him. He probably wasn't going to play in the NBA, and in fact, he did not. And so I would say to him, that's awesome, but what's your backup plan? Coach, you just got to believe in me. No, I don't have to just believe in you. I have to believe in you and try to push you to think about broader things. So there's a time and a place to say, hey, look, here's how this works. But when it comes to stuff, like think about the story earlier where I said, I realized, man, I'm a negative, I'm being negative to that person because they're like, hey, show me this. All I have to say, the only thing appropriate is that's awesome. Good for you. And what that does is it actually creates a happy chemical dump in your brain and it actually wires your brain and their brain differently in a positive way. Now, to be clear, because I don't want anybody to walk away from this episode thinking that I'm saying you should just, everything is positive, Pollyanna, if you're old enough to know what that movie is. I'm not saying that. There is a time and a place to offer well thought out critical thinking. In fact, we need more of it. I'm concerned though that in our society, we have moved to extremes where we are just either negative or we are Pollyanna and you've got to be somewhere in between. And, And so one of the things you do is you start to take this catalog and you look, okay, here's what's happening. Here's what I feel about it. 
What do I want to do? Sometimes you have to endure. My mom passed 18 years ago. We are rapidly coming up to the last day that I ever saw her at the house I grew up in. There is not a day in November that goes by that I don't think about it and that I don't feel sadness. But what am I going to do? I have to take that catalog and I have to put that last thought, that last piece of the puzzle in it. Now think about this. You're going to someone's house for Thanksgiving or your government's about to shut down, your state government's about to shut down your state and you think that's wrong. That's fine, but you don't control it. What are you going to do? How are you going to talk to other people? How are you going to act? You need that column on the check sheet. I was telling somebody the other day, I try not to talk about politics on social media at all because I really think there's a higher calling to my life, which is to help people feel and achieve mental wellness and and health. Now, I'll talk about politics to people face-to-face. Sometimes I'll talk about it on on Facebook or, or social media, but most of the time I won't. Because most of the people who are the most dialed up about it, they're experiencing intense emotions that they're probably not processing well. And it's probably better for me to help them. Actually, that would be a bad word. That'd be a bad, see, that's bad vocabulary there. One of the things I try to talk to people about is be ninjas about the words you use. It would be better for me to invite them to examine those strong emotions and who they want to be in in part in, in, in the midst of those strong emotions. And so we take this catalog, what's going on? How do I feel about it? It, Are those emotions, those feelings that I feel about what's going on, are they dictating my behavior? And is that behavior who I want to be? Or do I want to be someone else? Do I want to have the behavior of someone else, even in the midst of these emotions? One of the simple truths of of life is that if we take away all the past mistakes that we've done, we also rob ourselves of the wisdom that came with it. But how we gain that wisdom is often we need to check our behaviors against who we want to be, even in the moment of our behavior. So I can have strong emotion. In fact, my wife pointed out uh, a way that I act when I have stronger emotions that does not feel good for her. So I'm working on that. And and this is where now we get into some sketchy words, right? Well, I'm working on that. And some people are like, well, you say that, you should stop right now. But change doesn't typically happen that way. So I take a catalog of my emotions. This is what's going on. This is how I feel about it. And I'm responding more elevated than normal. As you might imagine, I tend to get loud. I'm loud, like I'm constantly looking at my screen when I'm recording these podcasts. Am I too loud? Am I too loud? And so, uh, okay, well, how do I dial back? For instance, a couple weeks ago, I was over at a friend's house for dinner two weeks ago, I think, or three weeks ago. We're sitting outside, uh, we're talking about things, and, and an issue came up about how rights work in our society. And I, it's something I'm passionate about. And so I started to respond, and I wasn't, there was zero strong emotion as far as negative emotion, but there's strong emotion of, I, this is a conversation that I love. And I realized, whoa, I got to dial it back a little bit. And so as you take this uh, mental catalog, what do you do when you're the person that is talking to yourself negatively or you're talking to other people negatively? You got to step back and ask yourself, was that negative talk helpful? A lot of times we, we stop at is what I said, truthful. And maybe it is, but is it helpful? Is it necessary? Is what I said truthful? Maybe. Is what I said necessary? Maybe. Was it kind? If the answer is no on the third one, the first two don't really matter. Now, I want to be I want to be really clear. My kids and I talk all the time about there's a difference between kind and nice. I have to fire people occasionally. And often I will say to them, you did not perform your required duties. Or you broke this rule that is too far. I have to write people up. And they don't like it. And, 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 and it doesn't feel nice because it isn't nice. But it's kind because kindness calls us 
to be better people in the most gentle way possible, but it doesn't lie. And I think sometimes we think it's better to lie to be nice than it is to tell the truth and be kind. So think about the illustration with the the electronic device. My friend was like, okay, so it does all this. What do you think? Uh, My first response would be like, so that's awesome, but what do you want it to do? Like, do you want it to do other things? I really enjoy the Kindle Paperwhite. I have a friend who likes the Kindle Fire. I don't like the Kindle Fire, but I have one because I got it very inexpensively, but I don't use it much because I don't need the other things besides reading. But the truth is, I like looking for books better on the Kindle Fire than I do on the Kindle Paperwhite. It's easier to see the titles, it's in color, it's easier to buy the book. And so when people ask me, hey, what kind of Kindle do you think I should get? Or I'm thinking about getting this Kindle. I try to see clarity first. Here's the step. What's going on? What do I feel about it? How am I acting? What's more clarity that I can get about this? Is is my reaction, uh, does it match what's going on? If not, why not? Does it sit on some sort of trauma that I've had? Uh, if it does, that's awesome. What am I doing then? That how do I move that forward so that I'm, I'm I'm approaching this better? Being a parent has been one of the best places for me to practice this because kids, especially in the teenagers, they can be all over the place emotionally, and they can be way up, they can be way down, and my response needs to be consistent, and it needs to be consistent with who I want to be and who I'm calling them to be as their father. Right, and so then, as as we start to break into this moment, I do. I was talking to other people. Was I was I kind? Was it truthful? Was it necessary? Were my behaviors consistent with who I want to be? Because I want people to feel like I've left them in a better place than when I met them. Now, all, sometimes I don't have those resources, but that's called self care. That's actually what self care is. That's a whole nother day. But making sure that I get time away so that my batteries are recharged, so that my cup's refilled, so that I can share with people in a way that that is, is life-giving to them. But if I'm life-giving to them, I'm probably transferring some of my energy over. That's why self-care is so important. So I, I did an eval with one of my interns who's graduating. And we were talking. She's like, there's just, there has to be a way for us to say truthful and hard things to our clients that doesn't cross lines of being mean. And I said, I totally agree. And part of the problem is, and this is something that, so now we flip it. What do I do if I think my friends are the ones that are completely negative? First of all, we have to ask ourselves, are they being negative or are they just saying things I don't want to hear? That's a hard question to ask. But if you really truly determine that you're surrounded by people that are negative, I would rather you be alone for a short time and have limited interaction with those people than be surrounded by people who are constantly pouring negativity in your life. Because it's impossible to be around people who are constantly negative and not have that spill into your life. It's like poison. It will affect you. It will infect you. And it will hurt you. I truly believe you will become the average of the five people who speak the most into your life. I think that's scientifically backed up. I think I have a lot of ways that I could back that up. And so if you're constantly being filled up with negative people, people who tell you you can't do that, it won't work, uh, you're not this, you're not that, That's a bad place to be. Now, I actually have a mentor who almost every idea I take to him, he will ask me at some point, why would you do this? And tell me why he wouldn't, even if he would. But there's a a, a specific protocol there. In fact, at some point, I actually called him up. I'm like, that's because you're at a different stage of life than I am. And when you were at my age, you would have done this risk. That's why you're my mentor. Or that's why at least that's one of the roles you play in my life. And so, like, that's, that's necessary. That's helpful. That's actually positive. When I was a coach, I used to have to tell players, you're not actually good enough to start. But here's where you could work on the things. But that was my role. 
And when I would run into people, I would often just tell you know other athletes that weren't under my team, hey, that's good for you, man. Whatever it is you're trying to do, or awesome, good for you, whatever you're trying to do. That's helpful. I don't need to be a person filling other people up with negativity. Hey, Joe, I want to start my own business. Awesome, do it. I have a friend who started their own business. I actually feel like they did a lot of things that will not lead them to success, but they didn't ask me, so I didn't tell them. I just said, awesome, congratulations. Can I share it on my Facebook? That's it. And if you have people in your life who are constantly explaining to you, and especially if it's unsolicited, like you call them up, like like the guy who wrote in, hey, I just got back from yoga, and his friend went on a 25-minute rant about men doing yoga and how he thinks they're just there to look at women and he could never do yoga and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's okay. I didn't ask you to do the yoga. Like, that's what I would tell the guy. Well, don't do this because... And and the thing of it is, is you can accept that the person who's feeding you negativity, who's force feeding it down your throat, who's trying to put it into your arms intravenously, that they're doing it because of some trauma in their own lives. That's fine. But you're not their therapist. You don't need to fix it. Not that therapists fix it anyhow, but you're not their therapist. So you need to draw boundaries because you are responsible for yourself. What they do is on your square. What you do is on your circle. So you might say, hey, you might go have the conversation with them. Hey, I really feel like like you're, you're actually kind of a negative influence in my life in that a lot of times when we talk, you are talking negatively to me and I'd like that to change. Could we discuss that? If they can't have that conversation, walk away. But Joe, I've been friends with this person forever. That's okay. You'll be better off. Trust me. Now, when you're doing these mental catalogs, you're going to do it. Okay, how do I talk to myself? How do I talk to others? How do I let others talk to me? Does does the aggregate of those three things help me to have a better realistic view of my life, a better realistic view of what I want to do? Does it push me to be the best version of me? Or does it actually cause me, push me to want to be a less than version of me? If the answer is it pushes me to be a better version of me, keep going on, man. Keep doing it. If the answer is it causes me to be a less than version of me, stop the interaction. Back away. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know it's scary. You will be better off. Limit the negative interactions in your life. Limit the negative uh, uh, funnels into your life. Think about fire. If I take some wood and paper and I walk out of my office here and I just start a fire out in the lobby, that's scary. If I take that same paper and wood and I put it in one of those little urban fire pits, but still in the lobby, still kind of scary. If I take the time to put in a wood stove with a pipe and a, and a, and a, a flue and a vent and all of that that's necessary, I can take the same wood, start the fire inside the wood stove and nobody's bothered. There's a time and a place for it. But if all I do is burn stuff in that wood stove, I'm not actually utilizing the heat well. Open up all the doors, right? And so there is a time, there's a time for people to tell me, Joe, I think you're off here. Absolutely. And I have those people in my life intentionally. I'm talking about the people that are consistently negative. I'm thinking about uh, going back to school for a master's in fine, uh, in fine arts for writing. Well, don't you think you have enough education? That's a person I'm not going to have a lot of conversations. I'm thinking about opening another office. I'm thinking about starting another business. Oh, it must be nice. That's a person I'm not going to have a lot of conversations. And I'm not going to tell them too many of my dreams in the future. Because I want people in my life. I want people who are speaking into my life who are, have wisdom. So sometimes they're going to tell me, ah, have you thought about this? Hey, you got to consider this. And sometimes they're going to tell me you shouldn't do it, but they're always going to believe in me and they're not full of negativity. And you know that person. They just take over conversations. And when you walk away, you're like, oh, I'm so drained. Well, if you're consistently having conversations with people where you're so drained, stay away. That's my advice to you, my friends. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. 
Don't forget, next week we're going to talk about the power of positivity, not in like some like, you know, guru who, hey, if you say positive things, positive things happens. But we are going to talk about what happens to our brain when we take time to be intentionally grateful. How does it help us view other people uh, around us? How does it help us interact with other people? So one of the ways that you can actually stop interacting with negative people is when you start spending everything positive, they typically stop talking to you because they find more safety in negativity. So you spend positives and they will cut down on the amount of time they talk to you. I guarantee it. But not only that, if they don't, you'll actually help them by helping them wire their brain and move it more towards positivity. All right, I'm so excited about this. Favorite season, uh, tempered with a little bit. I talked earlier about my mom, tempered a little bit with that, but I do love, I love this time of year. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.